Thank you very much, buddy. I'm going to give you a quick update on our pastor, Brother John. He is home from the hospital, so praise God from that. He got home this past Friday evening, and we're so thankful that he's back home in his own comfort zone. But as you might expect, being in the hospital all week and, and having his body under the sort of duress that it was, he is very weak and, and worn out, and the doctors have advised him to take it easy. That may be a very difficult task for him, but we're going to try to do our best to keep him uh, at rest, and you pray for him. I know he's so thankful for the, all the prayers that have been lifted up for him this week, him and the family, and he would cover your prayers going forward. And we look forward to worshiping him with him very quickly. Uh, hopefully by next week, maybe he will might be back. We'll see. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 passage that Brother Bobby read this morning. Chapter 12, starting in verse 12. I I asked him to read the entire passage this morning. It is a lengthy passage, and uh, for the sake of time, I will not be rereading it. I will be referring to some verses here and there, and certainly the overall theme, but I invite you to follow along and and read and go back and reread when we're done. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Now, throughout Paul's writings, he uses several images to describe the church. Uh, He uses the imagery of the church being a field, and a family, and a temple, an army, and a bride. And each of these images are very important to us. They, They each contain very important lessons that we can glean from them. However, here in this passage... Uh, This whole passage illustrates the church as one body. One body united under one head. The head, Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church, both figuratively and literally. Individual Christians upon salvation are grafted into this body. Uh, We're grafted in, united by the Spirit. Permanently and completely joined together in Christ. Each one of us serving in a unique and necessary function within that body. And just as our physical bodies are made up of thousands of different components, both visible and invisible, so is the body of Christ. All united with one purpose, one function. Now the human body is an incredible creation. It's it's by far the most amazing organic creation that God uh, ever created. It's very complex, and yet it's unified. It has unparalleled harmony and interrelatedness. It is a single unit. Each individual body is a single unit that cannot be subdivided into several bodies. It's complete. In fact, if divided, that part that was cast off would cease to function and it would ultimately die, resulting in the rest of the body losing some of its function and effectiveness. So the body is much more than just the sum of its parts. Now, there are many truths to be developed from this idea of the church, the body of Christ, many, many ideas and many from this particular passage. But I, I want to just look at a few this morning. Just a few. And as we do, I really want us to focus on the last one that I'll get to. 
Now, when I read verse 12 or verse 14 or verse 20, I can't help but think of that Latin phrase, e pluribus unum. Now, it should be familiar to most of you here. Uh, You don't have to know Latin to know what it means or have, have ever heard of it. You find it on the seal of the United States. It's on coins and that sort of thing. Uh, it was, in fact, the de facto motto of the U.S. all the way up through 1956 when Congress uh, passed an act making In God We Trust the official motto. And it literally means out of many, one. Out of many, one. Or simply one from many. And, of course, the states of this uh, illustrate this idea, these individual states being brought together under one nation, a one government. And this is exactly the same idea here in verse 12. Let's read it one more time. Verse 12 says, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Through many, uh, though many members that make up this body, it is but one body. One body. Of course, this speaks to unity. It speaks to function. It speaks to equality. That sort of thing. But what I want to speak of this morning are three things. I want to see that the body of one, this body of Christ, is unity, and therefore community, and also interdependency. And so the title I have for this morning's sermon is Body of One. Body of One. But what I want us to see this morning is that one, number one, it, it doesn't mean that uh, we're meant to be alone. Okay? Now, one can be a very lonely number, but God is not calling us to be lone rangers. Okay? He's, he's not calling us to be islands set apart from one another. He calls us and He makes us part of this body of one. Now, there's no loss of individuality. When this happens, there's, uh, we all still retain a very unique service to the body, just as body parts are different, just as the three persons of the Trinity are separate and unique, and yet one God, so is the body of Christ. And because we are one, we should live in unity and community. So my, my desire this morning is for you to leave here with an understanding that you are not meant to make it on your own. You're an individual Christian, uh, as an individual Christian, are not intended or designed to, to run this race alone. And if you try to do so, it, it can certainly be debilitating and uh, perhaps dangerous. So first, the body of one means Unity. Unity. Ephesians 4.4 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Okay, So one body, Paul says, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God means there's no separation, there's no Jew or Greek, 
slave or free, male or female, black or white, that sort of thing. Christians are united equally into the body of Christ. We're united by the Spirit. We have a unity of faith and a unity of purpose. You know, political parties may rally around a common platform. Uh, and of course, it may change at every election. But we, as Christians, we rally around the gospel. We have the greatest of all things that gives us this unity of purpose. Now, it's always important that when we talk of unity, we always want to clarify and say that we're not unified and we don't seek unity just for the sake of unity. I mean, unity in and of itself is not the goal. That could lead to compromise and that sort of thing that we want to avoid. It would never last. If we seek unity just for that sake, it's not lasting. It'll never work. We are united because we have a common goal. Common goal. Glorifying God. Furthering the kingdom. Sharing the gospel. This is what we rally around. And when we lose sight of that goal, we inevitably let the things of the world creep in and drive wedges between us. Please, I would caution you this morning, please don't let yourself be that one who would be the wedge that Satan uses to divide his church. I often say that and know that if Satan can't divide from the outside, he often will try from the inside. Don't be that wedge. Now, unity does not mean uniformity. It's not as if we all have to be exactly the same. Uh, There is diversity within the body. But it certainly means that if we're focused on the right things, on the right things, that we will not get distracted. And we will not take our eye off that mark. And we won't, uh, as we do, stumble and perhaps take those down around us. Paul speaks to this in Philippians chapter 1 and 2. And he says, Conduct yourselves in a worthy, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And then a few verses later, he goes on to say, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which also was in Christ. All right, so I want to start making a little transition. Uh, and I'll use this number of one. Okay? And I want to say that we are to be one in unity, but not one of isolation. Okay? One in unity, not one of isolation. Let me give you an illustration to uh, consider. Now, some of you may have no idea what I'm talking about, but bear with me. Um, do you remember the short-lived U.S. Army slogan of Army of One? Okay, Army of One. Uh, it was a recruiting thing. Now, there seems to be some confusion on this, and, and I have to admit, I never really liked the slogan. I never liked it at all. Maybe it was because I spent too much time in the Air Force and it's hard to have any good feelings on that other side. Or maybe I just misunderstood it altogether. I hear army of one and I, and I see a woman or a man 
thinking that they're an army all by themselves. This sort of self-centered, inflated attitude of entitlement that this generation has a lot of. Now, I will say present company excluded. Okay? I think we have a great uh, and a blessed group of students here that are hopefully changing that trend. Well, I talked to Kim about this recently, and I was, I was discussing this, and, and like the good wife that she is, uh, she let me know that I was wrong. She'd always viewed it as promoting an army of one, as in one cohesive unit. An army of one united force, that sort of thing. So I, I started thinking, uh, I could be wrong. Maybe I was. Maybe I've been wrong all this time. I never really thought of it that way. But, like the good husband that I am, I had to do a little research just to prove her that I was right. That's the beauty of the internet. You can find anything on there. And what I found was that the original commercial was a 60-second spot, aired over a decade ago. And evidently, its theme was in response to some research showing young people had a view of the military as being dehumanizing. They thought that uh, they would join the military and their identity would just be lost as one of the many. Okay? They would just become one of the, the millions of soldiers or airmen, that sort of thing. The ad features, and maybe you remember this, a lone corporal and he's running across the Mojave Desert. It's dawn. And as he's running, there's a squad of uh, troops that run the opposite direction away from him. A helicopter flies over and alone, that one corporal continues to run. And as he does, the voice overcuts in, and he says, even though there are 1,045,000 some odd soldiers just like me, I am my own force. And this is the corporal talking. He says, with technology, with training, with support, who I am has become better than who I was. And listen to this. And I'll be the first to tell you, the might of the U.S. Army doesn't lie in numbers. It lies in me. I am an army of one, he says. Now, this was short-lived. It it started in 2001 and ran to 06. It was replaced by Army Strong. And both of these were predated by uh, the 20-year slogan of Be All You Can Be. But this this whole thing started me thinking about the church. And, And let me tell you, this is not the picture of Christianity that God has provided us. Yes, we are to be willing to take a stand, even if no one else will. But even then, we're not alone. And certainly, we don't do it under our own strength. None of us can survive long that way. We're not meant to survive in isolation. We're not meant to be that lone soldier. Now, he may have considered himself an army of one, but the body of one, the body of Christ, means unity. And there is strength in numbers. So, because of this, our second point is that the body of one means community as well. Community. And this is the idea that I really want to take hold of this morning and remember as we leave here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, is really a a crucial text for this. The writer says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, 
and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, this passage has often been used as a justification for not missing church. And certainly that is the exhortation here. But it's so much more, so much more than that. That's what I want you to see. Yes, we are not to forsake our assembling together in this place. But the heart of what the author is saying is that we're not to be isolated Christians. We're to stimulate each other to what? To love and to good deeds. And we're to encourage one another. Now, there are many parts in this body of one. Verse 14 said that the body is not one member, but many. And then yet, we see that in verse 20, but now there are many members, but one body. This is from our main text. There's a back and forth between uh, one and many, and many but one. But all those parts, all those parts are designed to operate in unison and support of each other. We read in our text earlier, the body does care about the other parts of the body. Verse 26 says, If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. What good is an arm without a hand to attach to it? What good is a heart if there are no arteries and and veins and that sort of thing to pump blood through it? What good is a, a, a brain and an eye if there's no torso to communicate with it? God designs us, He designed us to be relational. We are relational beings. We're never intended to be alone. God created Adam there in the garden, and he was alone. And yet, what did God say? He said that it was not good for man to live alone. And so he created Eve. But it doesn't stop there with your spouse. It should envelop transcend all your other relationships. You know, God himself is relational. He is a relational being. Um, He has eternally existed in this relationship. We know this as the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're all one unique and unified God, and yet they are three distinct persons that interact within relationships. This is just another example of this out of many, one. So the body is one community. Now, this community also means an interdependency. Okay? Interdependency within the community. Uh, what, ha- what happens to a part of the body when it's cut off? When it's isolated from the body? Well, ultimately, it shrivels. It can't survive. Even if it does survive, maybe it survives in some sort of frozen cryostasis, it's certainly not going to be productive. It's not going to benefit. It's not going to benefit others. It certainly can't grow. And all the while, the body is incomplete. It's missing out. There's another illustration of the church that Jesus gave. He shows this in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. A severed branch not only is an unproductive branch, but it's a lifeless branch. 
Now, I've talked to many people over the years who profess to be Christians, but have little to no contact with the body. And when I do, I encourage them to find a church where they can serve and have fellow Christians there to encourage them and support them. Many I found just don't understand the interdependency that we have as the body. They're just trying to make it on their own. And yet they often wonder why they're not very successful at it. The person who exerts that they can worship God and that God can be known out in nature certainly doesn't have a grasp of Scripture or church history or that true Christian experience. How else can we be both on the giving and receiving end of this relationship? How else can we both give and receive encouragement? How else can we both disciple and be discipled? Be strengthened and help to strengthen others. How else can we hold each other accountable? Basically, what I'm saying is that Sunday morning worship, what we're doing here, is not enough. Now, certainly better than nothing, but it's not enough. Sunday night worship is not enough. Wednesday night is not enough. Four or five days a week Bible study on top of that is not enough. Maybe I got somebody's attention here, but listen to what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, the point is, attendance no matter how often it is or how dedicated it is, doesn't mean participation. And participation, in and of itself, doesn't equal growth. It's not about how many services you attend. That's not what keeps us connected with the body. Now, I will say, I will say that I, uh, I feel strongly that any time the church has collectively come together, decided and schedule a time to collectively come together, that it should be a priority for us. It should be a priority for, for you and your family. It's important that we're teaching our children and our grandchildren our priorities. But at the same time, it's not about keeping score. It's not about how many times a week we come into this house. The important thing for us to understand is that if our only meaningful interaction that you and I have with other Christians on a regular basis is Sunday morning service, then you're missing out. You're missing out. There's much more than that. Ask yourself, what significant interaction with a brother or sister of Christ do you have on a regular basis outside of these walls? Now, if you happen to work with Christians, some of, some of you do, Consider yourself very blessed. But I know that perhaps many of you are one small light in a very dark workplace. And you're trying to make it out there on your own. But even those of, of us who, who work around fellow Christians, it's more than just being around them. You need to lean on each other and confide in each other and stimulate each other. Now I know that I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed to work daily with a very godly staff and supportive staff. Many of you don't have that same blessing. So I, I suggest a few things this morning. At the very least, the very first thing, the easiest thing to do is at least be a part of Sunday school. That's your very first step. Now this is not an end all. 
but it does give one more layer of interaction than you get here. And we have this foundational assembly of believers meeting together for worship. And that's of fundamental importance. But the larger this local assembly grows, the more important small groups like Sunday school become. And it really should be a natural progression. And by the way, all of you that are here this morning that are Sunday school teachers, whether it's in the children's ministry or the student ministry, um, it becomes even more vitally important that you connect outside that group. You don't have that regular interaction with your peers like the rest of us do during that hour. Now, that's the very first and, and fastest and really easiest because you're already here Sunday morning. You're already here. It's a natural progression. But even that's not enough either. That's certainly better than nothing. But it's still not quite what I'm getting at this morning. That's only one day of the week. That's within this context, within this sort of formality. And even if, uh, even if that's all you had and you did come, you're still, in a very real sense, if you just show up, you're not interacting. We all need, I think, at least that third level of interaction beyond this building. Every Christian that's hearing this message needs to have a set of close Christian friends, uh, those that are there for you and that you're there for them. It's not a matter of defining the specifics of that group or, or how many or how often you meet, that sort of thing, as much as it is uh, knowing the need to have those around you that you can confide in and that share your life, walk with you side by side. This is what Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is speaking to the heart of. It's not about separating out your Sunday and your weekday life or uh, your church versus your home life or your Christian world and, and the world. It's not about that. It's about finding at least one person one per, preferably three or four, but at least one person that you can live this verse out with. You can't do it on your own. You know, and your family really can't meet this need for you. Sometimes you need to have someone to listen to you about your family, about your family's struggles. Perhaps you, you need advice on how to better serve them. Man, this is especially important for you. You need other Christian men that know exactly what you're going through, what you're dealing with, the kind of temptations that men have that you think that nobody else is going through. You need that. As men, we, we have work, and, and we're expected to be household leaders in uh, our relationship as father and husband and provider and that example. It's a burden, a, a healthy burden, but it's somewhat hard, very hard to cover by ourselves. If you think you can do this on your own, you're setting yourself up for a big fall. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Galatians 6.1 and 2, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Men, 
women, boys, girls. We all need something alongside us that can hold somebody alongside us that can hold us accountable. Accountable to those things that we know we should do. Someone who is there to ask the hard questions of why you have or haven't done something that you said you're going to do. Again, Hebrews 10, stimulating, encouraging one another. Now, you know I can't let this go without getting a, giving a plug to be a part of one of our, small, uh, our men's small groups. Okay, we're forming new ones now, and I want to encourage each man in here, if you're not already a part of one or haven't signed up for one, please do so. It's, please be a part of this ministry. But for all of us, here's an illustration. Uh, it, and you may have heard this before, but it's been said that the giant redwood trees out in western, western United States uh, have a relatively shallow root structure. And they're enormous trees, and the enormous weight of those trees are supported in part by their interwoven root system. Okay? They're, they're interlocking, and, and they help support the weight of each other. As Christians, we need those interlocking roots with other Christians. We need those ties. We need to have those ties with other believers in the, ch- in the church that can help us withstand the enormous weight of this life. We need others spurring us on towards love and good deeds in a world that is bent on self-centeredness and self-gratification. As Christians, even, even if you have no one outside these walls, you have no family, no friends, no support structure, we still have one another. We are one body, one purpose, stimulating each other to love, good deeds, assembling, encouraging. The question is, how can you do that by yourself? You can't. Let's not forget what the last part of that Hebrews text says. Verse 25, we do this while we're focused on that one goal. We don't do these things just to make it in this life. This is not all there is. No, we're persevering together. We're running this race. Okay? And while we're doing this, all the while, all the more, as you see that day drawing near, that's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're persevering towards. That's why we're running the race. That's our goal. That's our hope. Being ever faithful as we anticipate the end. So, I know that some of you here this morning, you don't have that hope. You're not looking forward to that day because you're not a part of this body that we've been talking about. Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about. So, before we leave, I want to tell you about the most important relationship that you can have. That's the relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior. And make no mistake, He is Lord. He's Lord of all, whether you acknowledge it or not. But He's only your Savior if you place your faith and trust in Him. That's the most vital and important relationship that you need. You just have to start there. Very fundamental, and you can have that this morning. And if you do have that relationship, if you're here this morning and you, you are, uh, you're, but you're not a member of this local body, then I would encourage you to do so. Join up with here. Join us in this ministry that God has entrusted us. 
walk alongside each one of us and help us to live out Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 together. Join this local body. And if you're a member here, if you're a member here and uh, you need to establish a more meaningful relationship with those around you, fellowship with the body, then today is the day to start. Step out. Act on it. I would encourage you to do so. So I just leave you with these two questions. Ask yourself, to whom in the body of Christ am I uh, giving encouragement to this day or this week? Who am I encouraging by my words, by my actions, by my presence? And then the flip side of that, am I receiving the encouragement that I need by remaining faithful to my association within the body of Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that your church can, can meet in this local assembly. We thank you for bringing us together. We thank you for the ministry that you've entrusted each one of us as individuals and as one body united for one purpose. We thank you that through the Spirit we can have that kind of unity that transcends all other relationships, a permanent bond that we have as brothers and sisters, that equality, that oneness, we just pray for your church to uh, operate in that spirit of unity, focused on you, focused on reaching this community and this world with your gospel, and help us to uh, be there for one another. Help us to uh, not try to live our lives out in isolation, but help us be there for one another and help us to be uh, open to letting others minister to us as well. Help us to remain humble. We just thank you for your grace and mercy and your many blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.